<laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Serbian Corner new episode, uh, a show where a couple of Serbians talk about the Nuggets, uh, DMVR YouTube channel, DMVR Nuggets podcast feed. Uh, my name is Voya, as always, coming to you from Lincoln, Nebraska, and with me is Miroslav from Pantova. What's up? Hello. Hello, everybody. It's a wonderful, windy day in Serbia, but uh, <laughs> I enjoyed a lot of time to, today with my kids outside, so it was all well. Yeah, it's windy. I'm assuming in Colorado, windy mountains and cold mountains. So we're we're all freezing. So, um, yeah, what this show is basically, we'll do a weekly recap of Nuggets basketball, quick takeaways, main themes, disagreements, everything else. Uh, it's, it's been, I mean, it's been a pretty good week, three and one. We had a big block last night uh, that was, you know, like ecstatic. And Clay's back. He beat the Lakers. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to everyone, too. Uh, may all may all your proper bets go <laughs> go and, and win. Uh, what do you think? Do you watch NFL at all? I've tried. I've tried <laughs> to like last year. I've tried to give my support to Broncos, and man, I don't know. It was like like twenty five minutes of of airtime and like two minutes of gameplay, and I was like, ah, I can I can spend my time <laughs> smarter than that. So sorry, yeah. sorry, Broncos fans. Maybe yeah, next year. A- yeah, Broncos were not the best team to to <laughs> hook you into the NFL last True. couple of seasons. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it should be a fun day here in in America. So we'll see uh, Bengals and there's the, the owner of the Nuggets, uh, LA Rams. So it'll be fun. Also, uh, we'll be happy Valentine's Day to everyone, especially the single people who won't have to spend so much money in the next couple of days on presents and and flowers and stuff so uh well, let's start off we'll, we'll go thank you for first. reminding me of that yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I, I should be getting something to my wife Jesus. oh man yeah she's player the podcast like that would be the good like here i got you this hour long nuggets content uh, that can work <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll start with the rakia shot uh serbian national alcoholic drink so usually take it before dinner or, you know, like a toast so it'll be something quick headline something really that made an impression on us this week, and I'll start us off with obviously Jokic. Jokic block last night. Oh yeah, I mean he missed two free throws, then he just recovered mm-hmm. like like a freaking defensive player of the year, and and blocked Koji Ananobi, who's also big and tall, and got away with a little push off on Jeff Green, by the way. So it's a little bit both karma for that and free throws. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's his third this year, fourth I think maybe in the last like two a seasons. year actually, yeah. like two yeah. seasons. I mean calendar year or like twelve months. Because he had Zion probably in the second, I think, in the second half of the of the year last year, and I mean, it's amazing. Like the fact that we're talking about him now is like a defensive um, defensive asset this year. I mean, it's it's amazing, and that's I think what what'll you know get him on top of the MVP race eventually is the fact that he has these flashy. It's kind of an unfair thing, like because you know you had the you know Rudy Gobert always has his like great defensive stats because he's in position and everything, but then Jokic has these like three game seven blocks uh, that kind of go in, go in, go to bolster his offensive like juggernaut performances. So it's really cool. What do you, what do you think about the block? Did you expect the game to go that way at all? Well, I didn't watch it live, so I already knew about the block before I saw it, <laughs> and I was I was I was concentrating on those last three minutes of of game time and. Some really uh, crazy things happened, including those two missed free throws by Nikola Jokic, including that insane three by Fred Van Fleet. So yeah. it was it was really worth uh, the price of the admission. 
it was really a, a shockingly shocking <laughs> game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'm glad it, it went our way. And thank you, Nicola, for, for doing that. That was the most athletic thing I've ever seen him do. It's 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 amazing. I'm I'm just I'm just thrilled about it. Yeah, it was funny. No I mean, he, his comments afterwards, like, "Oh well, he didn't have really time to to do anything else. He just had to like put it out." But I mean, he blocked him. It wasn't like he was. It was just like he was off balance or something. Like it was like a clear one on one. He came in, just swatted that thing away. Like you know, basically, it was almost in like OG's hands. I don't think he like released it. And then obviously, then he got out of bounds for us. Um, that's. I mean, I, I. It was a great game. It would have been a shitty way to lose uh, on yeah. that layup, especially after you said like the, the rainbow shot. It gave me like Derek Fisher flashbacks from those Laker eras when he would hit that clutch like rainbow threes. That I mean, he just hit the bottom of the net. It was unbelievable, and that got it down to one after basically it looked like Nuggets were were like getting away with it. And then that. I mean, it, it's. I still. It's hard to like explain. And then just a. It was also funny because last time, like Embiid had a fifty-point game and Jokic had like a forty-nine triple double. Then Embiid had a finally a triple double yesterday with forty points, and Jokic has a game-saving block. So, like, I feel like I, I, I'm always, as I said before here, like I'm against like pitting them against each other. In that way, who's better? Like they're both good. It's just funny to like for the fans that are always like so psychotically like linked to them to their success, just uh, being like you can you know in Embiid threads you can come in and dunk and be like hey, Jokic made a game winning three and just like put you know put water on their fire and especially with like four in his career triple doubles when Jokic had like seven in January or six or seven yeah and I um, want to con yeah. congratulate uh, Michael Malone for sticking with with uh, sorry with uh, Bones Highland at the very end of the game yeah, yeah because that was that was a tricky one it really was yeah <laughs> If I was him, I would probably give Bones the first half of fourth quarter and give Faku the last half of the fourth quarter. And this is this is why. Uh, just before that Will Barton uh, somber shuffle made, that miraculous shot, that complete play was completely broken because Bones was so focused on not turning, turning the ball over. And it yeah. was plus one for the Nuggets at that point. That... that uh, uh, that possession didn't go anywhere. Yeah, he was he bad, was afraid yeah. to throw it to to Jokic, so the ball went to the left side to Aaron Gordon and then to to Will Barton. And just because Will made this miraculous shot, Nuggets actually won the game. <laughs> it it was it it could have gone much worse. But I think that's a great great uh, experience for for Bones Highland to oh, see yeah. that that he will need to to be making a bit riskier moves at the end because, yeah. you know, you I mean, have that, now, that, yeah. that, that risk and reward uh, balance need to be maintained. So, yeah. Yeah, for now, I mean, for now is a good, like, I, I'd rather have him not turn over as the last guy on the ball and, like, you know, get a layup on the other end. Then, you know, if at least if it was a broken player or a shot clock violation, at least uh, they have to take it out of bounds and then go instead sure. of just a f you know, pure turnover. And even be even worse as a turnover, trying to get an entry pass to, through a double team like that would be even like a worse decision. So it was fine, and it was funny just Barton making that. Uh, I think I, I don't know if it was in that game because they had back to back, it just kind of all melded. He had the similar like parallel to the baseline, you know, running running hook that airballed. I think might have been against Boston in like you know a uh, similar situation, and now it was you know he got the sombre shuffle. 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, and to just you know, to cap it off, uh, you know, with with Jokic's performance, just it was great. And and I think it kind of goes into that that like block was kind of a complete opposite how the how the game started. Like it was started off, it looked like it was going to be a def, you know offensive juggernaut from him. And I think you that that was that was your Rocky shot, right? His first core dominance. Uh, yes, yeah. I I was I was afraid that he will not be he will not have enough gas for this uh, second night of back-to-back game after Boston where he did look exhausted at times and uh, Nick Nurse tried to to do the single kick coverage on him in the first quarter and Nicola returned the favor with 18 quick points in yeah. in first quarter <laughs> utter utter dominance against a smaller guy, a very strong guy, a very a sturdy guy, but but just too short to, to be battling with Nicola. And uh, I was thinking about, is are these kind of games good for, for Nuggets or not? If he spends so much energy in the first quarter and then having to... Because I'm pretty sure that, that he was saving the energy throughout the second and third quarter. He was just running away to the three point or the to the top of the key, and he didn't even try to to engage in the paint too much. So it wasn't Are just you talking about the, the Celtics or the Raptors game. Uh, the Raptors game, yeah. the Raptors game, because in the Raptors game, he in the second and the third quarter, he had only three shots total, two shots total in second and third quarter. He wasn't uh, engaged as a as a scorer, only only as a passer. He did a good job passing the ball, but you know, when, when there is no threat from Nikola as a scorer, Nuggets are a completely different team. And luckily, they stayed in the game and uh, it all finished well. I was thinking about that balance of him being a scorer and him being a facilitator. And I was looking a bit at the numbers this season to, to try to figure out which is better. And to be honest, Nikola's effective field goal percentage of 60.5% on post-ups is quite elite. It's quite elite. It's it's 81st percentile in the league. And since he is the guy that has the most of those uh, yeah. together with uh, Joel and Bid, you can you can see wh- what this... Or does he uh, have almost nine post-ups a game like. or something like that? Jokic? No, actually, actually he had a total of 172 Post-ups, that's something like 4.5 post-ups Only per that? game. Those oh. are post-ups that re- result in a shot by oh, him. Okay, okay. So okay, not, so not, okay, not, something, not, not something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm oversimplifying here because I'm, uh, I'm only looking at the spot-up numbers of the other guys. But if you say that after Nikola is posting up and doubled and he's returning the ball to a, to a free guy, he actually has some really, really efficient guys like Zeke Nagy, who is shooting 67.4 percentage uh, effective field goal percentage. Then Austin Rivers, surprisingly high, 63% uh, effective field goal percentage. Davon Reed, almost 61 percentage. And then there are some guys that are not, not, not great, not bad, like Monte Morris, 57, Jeff Green, 56. Bones Highland, 55. The only three guys that have really low numbers in, in spot-ups are Will Barton with 52, Faku with 49.5, and Aaron Gordon at 46. So basically, it really depends on who is Nicola playing with 
but there are some solutions and and that's that's something adam have uh, repeated several times how much he likes Zeke Nagy as a Jokic player because if you have that kind of stretch four who can hit the shots in in such high clips that's just just a win every time so i'm yeah. still i'm still on the on the edge of are these kind of quarters good for the nuggets or bad but basically as we talked about in the serbian pod just a couple of hours ago i think nikola really picks his spots depending on how the the the, the defenders are defending him what's the defensive scheme scheme of the opposition and he just took the the chance uh yeah, th- th- yeah that's that's also the another point about the second and third quarter toronto was playing a lot of zone defense there and of yeah. course nicola was trying to pick them apart with free shooters it's just that the yeah. percentages were not very high i mean you, yeah and, and the thing is like when you said two second and third like you kind of have to um especially against zone especially against like toronto zone they're, they're huge and so yeah. it's a problem to even attack when you have some arms coming out of you from everywhere and it was kind of funny just like my first thought was man if michael porter was here that would have been busted in like three possessions but also like thinking about it when you just listen to numbers and stuff just i forgot like oh zeke didn't play either like in that second you know unit he's very determined shooter and instead of you know if he was playing instead of jamichael green for example he would have still been able to get some of those shots up and might be even you know hitting those and dissuade toronto to like play the zone so it's kind of interesting that even like we we talked to you know we'll talk later and we you know you mentioned the Faku thing with Malone, it was also that thing of like he might have he might have had better luck with Boston if Boogie played in the second unit, and then Zeke played against Toronto like Zeke to Michael against Boston and you know trying to fight those guys and then against Toronto having a little more shooting especially when you know when they're in a play zone because they don't trust you and they don't trust Faku as a point guard in those situations to knock down those shots and, and break open the zone. Like if that was the things like you, you have Monte and then the bones comes in from second unit bones, just, you can just pull up from those. And as we saw later, like he was breaking those down by being like a knockdown, you know, knocking down those shots. So that was, I mean, and, and as far as Jokic is like, you know, load management on the court, like we were used to that. And I think he, he adapts to, to where the situation leads him. Like in that in that regard, I think he's like very similar to that earlier LeBron criticism that that he would get of like, oh, he makes the smart move. Sometimes you have to be selfish, but in you know it's regular season, you don't have to you don't have to go against a double team on a back to back like all the time. Like they're they're better solutions. They're all pros. Like they eventually will knock down some those shots and and especially if you don't trust him and you force those shots, you're basically building a pressure for that the rest of the guys to even be, you know, for every mistake to count even more in their heads. So that just, it's, it's like a, you know, an avalanche of, in a, in a bad way of how things can unravel. So, yeah. So I agree. I mean, like if, if the, if, you know, it's a situational, I don't really care if he scores 20 in the first quarter or two, yeah. as long as the team is, is, as long as it's within the needs of the team in that specific situation. I agree. Yeah. Uh, should we go, should we go to our uh, Burek? Yeah. Let's go. Uh, Borek, nice, juicy, pastry-ish. Uh, this is like our, our generally juiciest thing of the week, something maybe best, something like with it's a high-caloric high caloric intake. Uh, why we chose it is because Nikola Jokic used to eat it a lot when he was younger uh, So and drinking that with Coke around the time when he was turning pro. So this segment is, is uh, you know, in that honor. 
and also I love it and him still loves it. And it can also come with other in other shapes and sizes and, and different uh, different toppings inside. So uh, what we'll start with, um, we'll start with, well, uh, it's first with my Burek and then we'll transition into Miroslav's, which kind of, they, they both kind of fit. Uh, mine is basically the confidence in this team uh, that I actually think they're a pretty good team. Uh, and then maybe even like on the verge of, of like a just sleeping giant, even though we're having uh, this kind of season and it's basically a little above 500 team, 50, you know, 55% team. Um, I still think like considering the fact that you're playing your fourth point guard for, you know, one night for 30 minutes against the Boston team that's been rolling and you're still on a one possession, you know, it's six points, but like at the end, it was like a one possession game. You play against Toronto, which is on a game roll and you play again, you play with Bones and Faku and you're still managing to win this team. It just gives me the confidence of how good Jokic is and how the this actual roster, no matter the the deficiencies of the of its role players, still fits because 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 of how good he is. And I think like when everything comes into play, when Jamal gets back, you get you get these like spurts of of the second unit being good for like a stint. Like you don't need to be a juggernaut juggernaut right away. Like you just need to survive. And did the fact that they're playing so well, like it, because I mean, the guys talked about it in DMVR yesterday, or maybe locked on was Adam talking about just the, the fact that you, when you lose, it just feels bigger than it is. And I'm not sure why. Like, I still haven't felt this season that it's a, oh my God, we're so bad. We lost a couple in a row. Like, I've just been rolling with the punches because I still see a really good team in there. And I see that the players are not playing even to like, you know, the 80%, some players are not even playing like 80% of their. Uh, highest potential and so i think that's interesting then you're adding boogie and you see how different and interesting the team gets when when he's around like even though he's individually not producing like high efficiency numbers as a for me at least as a as an individual player he's still really good because of his help to the team how he's unlocked some things how he eliminates second second possessions uh secondary possessions for opposing teams with his rebounding, like how he's basically a bull in a China shop, just demolishing other players and throwing in some, you know, basically monkey wrench into other people's plans. And then you add it on top that like, he can actually pass. He had that. It was kind of funny. Like it was a similar pass to Jermichael Green last night, like Jokic had last year against the, not to that same like uh, ratio of the court, but like he had the, between like three players, he slid the ball to Jermichael Green and, uh, Jamal Green got fouled and, and took, you know, had two free throws from it. So, like, his his fit, then you have, like, you know, Forbes coming in as a shooter. Finally, we have someone that, like, I don't care if you miss two in a row. Like, the next one, he comes out of a screen. Like, I'm like, oh, this one probably going in more likely than not. So, that trade that people weren't, you know, people weren't happy about the trade deadline that nothing happened. I think the prices were too high for what the pieces that we have around. If we were going to sacrifice Zeke or Bones, I still wasn't. I would have I would have said it was a bad trade because of how like how much they're learning with Jokic and how well I think they're gonna start fitting even more during the season. Like they're getting more and more minutes, more and more confidence. Bones closed his first game with the starters, uh significant you know, significant game. So I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see what's gonna happen. Like I mean I can't wait for Jamal to get back. I'm ready for a dip when he gets back just because of cause conditioning. But then I think eventually, just I think we might look like at some point like last year, even though Michael Porter might not be back 
I think with Jeff Green in that starting lineup, he might be a juggernaut again. What do you think? I think we are like like 10 games away from people starting to feel a bit more comfortable with this season. Everybody is, is so stressed out because everybody is afraid that that this team isn't good enough because it's already been like 50 games and they're still not you know high above 500 mark as we hoped it 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 would have been in in other seasons when the roster construction is normal or the the numbers of the of the of the roster are, are all there so i think because the the schedule is really starting to get a bit softer now and uh, I think we are finished with all the all the um, long uh, um, uh, road trips this season. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, less travel will will help uh, the team with energy. And of course, if we get some some uh, cavalry uh, in the back of the season, like we expect to, everything should should start looking better. So I think that's that's the reason for the stress. People are just not sure that that this team uh, with these these players can be good enough to to compete. And I think I think it's getting clearer and clearer that uh, not only Jokic but also Aaron Gordon, also uh, from game to game, Jeff Green as well. That uh, what you call that the Kerber, the three three headed. Yeah, Cerber- yeah, Cerberus, yeah, yeah. Cerberus, yeah, Cerberus, the three-headed Jeff, monster. Jeff Corn, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so th- this really works well. Of course, Jeff has some some games when he's not on, and that's understandable because he's not brought there to be the, the third option. He's brought there to but be the third option. But then last night, and he's on option. when he needs to be. Yeah. yeah, and then when he is on, that's just awesome. And he's just attacking the rim at all times. And I'm I'm really afraid for him at, at some points because he's <laughs> jumping over guys that are like 15 years younger than him. How is he not afraid of, of the way he will land? But uh, but yeah, hopefully everything will stay good like it is right now. And uh, and yeah, I, I do feel confident that, that this team will be good come playoff times for sure, even if Jamal and Michael Porter are far from there normal shape yeah. far from their normal form because you know when you have an extreme um, floor spacer like, like Porter when you have a actual pick and roll threat in in Jamal Murray then a, a bunch of things will open and uh, hopefully if I, I would I really hope that Boogie will stay with the yeah, team yeah. because he offers those 12 to 15 minutes of play that would not be that that that'd be chaos and chaos isn't always bad. It can be bad, but it it sometimes it will be good and that's fine. That's that's good enough, really. Yeah, and there's uh, there's comments saying basically what you said, like what you know Jamal getting back at seventy percent is better than what we have. And I, I'm not. I mean, I'm obviously conditioning as in like the amount of minutes that he can uh, that he can run and stuff is is uh, obviously. We're gonna to have to look at how that develops. As far as like his physical build, I'd rather have him. I, I was that that one might have been one of the silver linings that like wasn't expected with the clo- you know with the shutdown for COVID. Is Jamal got bigger and like I because he, he was never like lightning fast. Like he was never bones 
uh, or like you know, or Trey Young or something that he needs to be slim and then burst onto the to the hoop. It was more for him. It was more getting the position, the right positions. And I think when he's bigger, he doesn't. He can like Jokic is slow and he still gets his shots. So like if he can, if they could get the slow down pick and roll and just use the moments and use the specific times to burst, like you know what Harden used to do. Like you know, people give give a hard time to to Harden what his what his play is. Like he knew how to use use space and use angles. So if Jamal can do that and just make team, you know, make defenses be honest and like not back off completely and respect what he can do, I think that's enough to open up a lot of stuff that that we just don't see. That's why you know the Phoenix people are you know they're joking through the entire season. Oh, if we had Jamal Murray back, like they're thinking, oh, he wouldn't, you know, what he would give you twenty points and and no defense, and you think that would beat Phoenix. It's just it's more complex than that, obviously, in basketball. Like those twenty points, not just by themselves. Like they're, you know, it might be twenty points for him, but then he opens up a, two or three shots for for Gordon Barton, Jeff, that are easy. And listen, easy man, we, we've seen how good Phoenix was without only Chris Paul. So, yeah, yeah I mean, out of it's it is yeah, like it, you know, I I'm, yeah, everyone knows what I think about Phoenix, and I'm not. I mean, they're they're really rolling now, but I really don't I really don't care. Like you know, been toiling lottery for 10 years like of course you should be good after 10 yeah. first round you know first 10 picks and you know they're giving away their 10th pick for tory craig like i mean um so i mean but i'm not gonna go into that like i don't really i don't really care about them like i i, I really like this team and as the fact that it was a question of should they have made it more of a risk and, and did a trade that's that's also the fact of what confidence they have in this in this team as well like in these young in these young guys because i think the price were price was too high for some of the players that were available and that they were looking at. And I think like, cause you, you know, you go and you say, you know, they gave Jalen Smith and a second round pick for Tory Craig. We had Tory Craig. I don't, I wasn't excited. Uh, you know, if, if we had to get Zeke Naji in a, in a, in a pick for Tory Craig, like I'd rather oh, not, uh, for, for, you know, Derek White, they gave a first round pick, a young guy. They weren't, they, they weren't playing and that actually had some promise. And then, um, and then they got a Josh Richardson for for Derek White. That's so that's, we, that's, know, that's exactly the kind of package I was uh, contemplating about. Uh, yeah, last but then week what's or the two weeks yeah? But that's ago. the thing is like Josh Richardson. You know, you you upgrade Josh Richardson for, to Derek White, but what what young player do we have to afford to give them? Like I I wouldn't have wanted to give Bones away. Yeah, like sure. they they don't play Romy Langford. That's the thing is like, but he still has potential. Like if Marcus Smart Marcus Howard was. In the same vein as is Romeo Langford, then you do and you give, uh, you give Marcus Howard and a veteran player, and then a pick for Derek White, and then you upgrade and add to your player list. But this way, like it was, I think the the prices were too high. And then just as a for me personally, as a thing, like I hate trades. I hate trade deadlines. Like it, they're not cattle. Like it just it seems so weird to me that, and people always like you know the yeah, that- trade machines online and like trade this one. Like you're uprooting someone's life, and like I like the team Conley's more. Like I rather not win a title than 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 act callously to like to my players and be the Lakers and just throw away guys left and right because you see something greener somewhere else. Like there's you know there's a consolidation trade that happened with Gordon, of course, but it was after so long and obviously with conversations and you know humanely, but just like throwing guys around like that, it just like I didn't even. I mean, I was. It felt, you know, to me, it felt queasy even to trading PJ Dozier, you know, after he tore his ACL. That was kind of a icky move, but you still, as a business, you have to do it. 
and get like a fresh body because it was like five injuries. But but that's you know like what Utah did to Joe Ingles was like it just sucks like when you see something like that. So th- that's what I mean like I, I I like this I mean just to put a bow in and I like this team and I hope we do something with them and and you know Jamaica Green starts playing better because again you're you're kind of until the trade deadline it's hanging over your head like the fact that you could be traded and you know Jamaica did say oh I'm gonna get my paychecks so first and the fifteenth but. Like you wouldn't want to be sent to a a, a desolation place uh, team instead of being you know in Denver and playing with with Jokic and having fun, just being sent to like wherever. Uh, I'm not gonna name teams. I don't want to diss anyone, but like yeah, some yeah. somewhere where there's no future and you're just getting paid, but then you're not enjoying what you do. So yeah, um, and just just yeah. to explain why why you said you hate the trades and you you don't think that people should be should be treated like cattle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This is because in Europe it's completely unnatural to have a trade in basketball. In basketball, yeah. you can have a guy whose contract is expiring and expired, and he just moves to another team, and or he can uh, uh, dismiss the the contract during the season because things are not moving in the right direction. So he wants to leave. Then he becomes a free agent, and then some other team picks him up. There are no trades before between the teams. Uh, regarding the players, yeah, so yeah. yeah, that that's that's why it's a bit shocking to us. I understand why uh, why it's popular in the NBA because it increases the drama. Yeah, and drama, I, and you, I, just, I you feel, get fresh fresh players yeah. on your team. You have someone to look look at, and you know, remember how when Gordon came in, how interesting yeah. it was, exciting to like watch. But but again, just as a thing, it's so weird, especially when you hear like the stories when they don't even know they're traded. They just get the call and you're like, oh, you're, you're gone. Not even a call from a GM. You got a call from your agent and, oh, check Twitter. You were traded. You, you know, you got, you're going from, you know, your family's in Utah and you're going to Portland and you should be happy about it. You know, Ricky Rubio with Cleveland and stuff. So it sucks the kid. But uh, but I'm saying, like, I like that they didn't spend too much right now on a, on a player that, that they're going to get be stuck with that might not fit or – Something that just completely doesn't work, and then you just waste. Like that, that kind of was like sucked. That that like what happened with Hardenstein and McGee. Like you gave up a bunch of picks for for you know with Hardenstein to get McGee, and you barely used him. And that was kind of a you know shit trade at this point. Uh, so so I mean that that's yeah, that you know we can move on. And and this yeah, is an sure. interesting uh, interesting Boric uh, from you is that we're gonna rank the teams in the West. Basically, that you said the middle part, right? You want to yeah. rank like the the four, yeah, the, the, four the, to seven, like, like like the lower lower playoff contenders in yeah, the West, yeah. because we already know who the top dogs are right, yeah, now. right now. Yeah, we are in a part of the season where we can pretty confidently sort teams into tiers simply record wise. We already know that Phoenix is heading for the number one spot. Golden State and Memphis are going to take second and third spot in some order. We'll see how it goes. We already know that the Lakers and the Clippers are heading to the plane, waiting to see if the Pelicans or the Kings will join them in the 10th spot. So the Blazers, Spurs, Thunder and Rockets have already chosen the path of tanking. Although the Spurs are really bad at tanking. I mean, they yeah. gave away some some guys for picks and expiring contracts and they're still and they're still winning they're still winning <laughs> i mean they, they they kept dejounte and put vassell in that starting lineup they opened up a lot of, like it was yeah it was great to watch i mean i was kind of excited to watch dejounte murray yeah. just 
go free. Also, Josh Primo. Josh Primo now has yeah. has more space to play. I don't that know. Too, it's, yeah. it's it's really good. So there are four teams that I haven't mentioned yet, and that's the Jazz, the Mavs, the Mavs, the Nuggets, and the Timberwolves. And these teams will all be competing to run away from the seventh spot because that's yeah. the spot that goes for to the plane. Four, five, and six will play against each other and one of the Warriors or the Grizzlies. And number seven is probably going to play against the Clippers and have one more chance against the winner between the Lakers and, let's say, Kings. I still doubt New Orleans will withstand the Kings' potential run with Sabonis Jr. I really like yeah. Yeah, how, the, how the Kings look right now. I'm not saying that I like how they look, you know... Uh, in, in three years with Sabonis instead of Halliburton. I mean, yeah, I would, lo I would love that team if they found a way to trade away their own Fox for, for uh, it's what, like, so, so with them is, is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm glad we, we can take a digression. Like the first, first thing that, you know, you see him like, Oh my God, they, they did that. And you're like, well, Sabonis is 25. He's not, he's not like a 30 year old in on a way to like, you know, 33 year old on a way to 50 million dollar contract like you know like yeah. Harden or something sure. and you're still not sure like you still can he can still improve and he also he can give you what he gives you and then but what that also means is giving you creation uh on in that team that it's not all solely depending on De'Aaron Fox and not on the same position either like one of our friends uh that, that holds a, the the hoopster uh Instagram page like we were talking about on the pod earlier he was basically when you get you know saying you get the ball to Rashawn Holmes in the middle, your kind of offense kind of stops. Like there's only one end, you know, end goal for that. When you get it to uh, Sabonis there, like that ball can still move and it can find players. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's fun. Like, again, like it, they kind of got lamented for it, that they're basketball hell. And obviously you're, you know, with the cap stuff, like your six years of uh, rookie scale contracts, blah, blah, blah. But if they're going to, they might make a run. Who knows? Like they might be good next year. And, and then we see this trade and being like, fine that was a fine trade like you're paying the max player you have another you know what two years of sabonis on a decent enough deal that also can be traded again is uh it might be good i mean i'm not gonna bury the kings yet even though even though they you know it seems you know this the decisions they're making like they should have made that before <laughs> like now wait to be 20 and 35 to start this so yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, what's your what's your ranking? So, what what do you? Yeah. Have? So let, let's just take a look at who got better and who got worse after the after the trade deadline. So the Jazz lost Joe Inglis to injury, then traded yeah. his expiring contract, then got Nikhil Alexander Walker and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Wow. <laughs> Those are cost saving and not basketball positive moves. I think they've gotten slightly worse and uh, oh yeah I, I don't think utah fans are well are they got excited. worse by being by ingles being injured by itself right. like it's you know yes so the mavs traded away Kristaps Pozingis for spencer dimity and davis bertans i have loved bertans from the time he played for my parties on belgrade and i believe uh uh luca can save his uh, bad season by feeding him with a steady diet of wide open trees Dinvidi is good not great player and i believe the mavs will be slightly worse overall even though i don't love the matchup with the nuggets as much as i did before 
Like you really, you don't like them? Who's gonna? Why? Because of the Dinvidie, because he's 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 good at, at dribble penetration. He's really good entering the entering the 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 key where where the Nuggets are the weakest. Because when you break the first line of defense, Nuggets usually collapse. But who's gonna? But who is he? Badly. Is he playing off the bench or with Luca? Like that's what, like with them is there's a lot of questions because yeah. they're loaded up on their guard spots. Like and then they have Maxi Kleba and Powell there. They don't have Porzingis to stretch the floor anymore. Even though I don't, yeah. I don't like Porzingis anyways. But like, just it's a weird, like it's a weird team. So I, it, it kind of, it is kind of funny that two teams that are ahead of us seemingly got worse. Yeah, and, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And then you have the Timberwolves and the Nuggets who stand at bat at the trade deadline at the final day. Yeah. Timberwolves are good when healthy. Yeah, that was although they, yeah. they they haven't been healthy for the whole season. This is why. They don't have a great record right now. Yep. And Nuggets hope to get healthier going forward. So right now, the standings look like this. Jazz have 21 losses. The Mavs have 24. The Nuggets have 25. And the Tim- Timberwolves have 26, uh, 27. Sorry. Okay. So the Jazz are in the pole position right now. Their remaining strength of schedule is middle of the pack among the four teams, according to Tankathon. Their <laughs> current, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm quoting Tankathon. So, <laughs> according to Tankathon, their current strength of uh, strength of schedule is 0.503, which means that the average record of the opponents remaining for them is 0.503. So just a, a just a bit above 500. They still have to face Phoenix twice. Dallas three okay. times, and that will be really important. And also Golden State, Milwaukee, and Grizzlies once. But, but they will have a cakewalk against the Rockets, OKC, Portland twice, all of these teams twice. Also San Antonio, but I don't know if that will be an easy one. And a sneaky good Sacramento on match March 12th, when they should still be in the competition for that last playing spot. I mean the Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So the Jazz will be on the second night of the back-to-back for that game against Sacramento too. That that could be really important. It will be one of the gigantic six sets of back-to-backs for them in this final stretch. So not a really, not a really good so schedule for, for them. That's for Jazz, right? You're, yeah, you're for Jazz. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Jazz will have eleven home games and fifteen road games to the end. And looking at their schedule in detail, I believe they will have 15 and 11 record to close out the regular season. So that will bring them to 50 wins. That's my that's my uh, prediction for them. Uh, okay. Next, next are the Mavericks, who have the same strength of schedule like Utah, okay. 0.503. Their three games against the Jazz are going to be a big factor in this race. Jazz will be on the second night of the back-to-back against uh, the Jazz once. And uh, Mavs won't have any... uh, uh, Sorry, Utah will be on the second night of the back-to-back and Mavs will not have any rest disadvantages there. Mavs will also play Golden State twice, also the Heat, Cavs and the Bucks. So not a lot of... uh, Hard games for them. Surefire wins should be against Rockets twice, also Detroit, Portland, and San Antonio. It's okay. so nice to, to say, you know, K 
cakewalk <laughs> game against Portland. That feels so nice. <laughs> I just love. Kobe I don't. I don't hate them anymore now when they're. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're, they're, they're just actually sad. <laughs> I, I like Josh Hart and Simons. I don't care. I'll watch yeah. them. I'll yeah, watch them right. now. They have the best jerseys, so I'll watch them. So the so the Mavs have ten games at home until the end of the season and fifteen on the road. Those road games are clustered into two five-game road trips and one four-game road trip. So that's bad. That's really bad. They also have five sets of back-to-backs. Looking at their schedule in detail, I believe they will have a 12-13 and 13 record, which will bring them to 46 wins. So Jazz 50, Mavs 46. Okay. I will leave the Nuggets for the end, so let's dig in the Timberwolves first. All right. They will have the toughest strength of schedule in this group at 0.508, uh, half of percentage point more than Mavs and Utah. That doesn't sound like too much. It changes in one game. Uh, they will meet Chicago, uh, Chicago twice, also Golden State, Phoenix, Memphis, Miami, and Cleveland. They will be happy to learn that they will be also f- facing tanking San Antonio. <laughs> They're not tanking. Portland and OKC twice. <laughs> they will have 15 games at home, which is good, and only 11 on the road. And they will have four sets of back-to-backs with one four-game and one three-game road trip. Okay. Looking at their schedule, I think they will have a 14-12 and 12 record, so a winning record at the end of the season. And that will bring them to 43 wins. So we have 50, 46, and 43. Now... For the grand finale, let's see the Nuggets. <laughs> Their strength of schedule is the weakest in the group at 0.49. They will have to meet Golden State that three means times. Th- is that mean, yeah, that's I, that's the, the weakest strength of schedule? So, so is that the opponent percentage or yes, yes, combined component? So the best, so, so so it's better than the other ones. The yeah, weakest, right. as in the components they're facing, are worse than the other. Yeah, yeah they're worse. Okay. They're worse. Yeah, yeah. The weak weak schedule means. They're yeah, facing yeah. a bit worse uh, opponents, although they will have to play Golden State three times. Oh, Shit. wow, yeah. Hopefully. That's insane. Oh, hopefully well, several of them without They don't have a, they don't have a center for Jokic, so we're good. Yeah. They also will be playing against Toronto, Phoenix, Memphis, and Philadelphia. The trap games they should win are against Sacramento three times. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Three times, Sacramento. <laughs> when they got... When they got <laughs> Some bonus <laughs> when they got some bonus. Uh, one, one of those games will be uh, the first night of the back to back, so not too bad. They will we have play one this week, right? Let... That's oh, right. no, after, after, uh, first after the start, yeah, after, after the, the after break. the after break, yeah. yeah. They will meet uh, OKC twice, so that's good. Also, Orlando, that's the next game, uh, Houston, and Indiana, so pretty good. They will play 16 games at home and only 10 on the road with four sets of back-to-backs. And looking at this schedule, I think they will have drum roll 17 and 9 record, which will bring them to 48 wins. So, okay, so fifth. my final prediction, Jazz seed number 4, Nuggets 5, Mavs 6, and Timberwolves 7. So let's get ready to rumble against Rudy Gobert. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, we, it kind of also make me look good because I said fifth seed. I think the first week of 
of of our podcasts. That's right. In Serbian, I think is a five. I mean, it, because just because injuries, like it's it makes sense, and we'll see. I mean, hopefully we get seventy nine is really it's fine. Like I, you know, if we get over that, like that's really great. If we get under, you know, if it's fifty, you know, if it's fifty fifty, then it's that. As long as we're at that sixth spot, like I guess. You know, and then you get into matchups, then it's like sucks if we have to play Memphis with John Morant, which again, who knows with with him too? Like he's one of those like great, you know, you know, young superstars. But longevity with him during the season is also iffy because of his style. Of, like, and and all, all, out of the worst things that can happen was the last night he tripped on a cameraman and twisted his ankle. Like, yeah. it wasn't even in play. Like, at least if you know if you get hurt by you know by going nuts and dunking on people and then landing awkwardly. At least you 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 know you get you understand that it's it's how he plays. But then he just he finished, and then he was like backing up by you know with inertia, and then he just twisted his ankle. Like it's so it was so dumb to see. Like you know, it, it's so it's gonna be fun. I mean, you know, you said like with Golden State, Draymond's injuries. Who knows? Because they're not as big of a contender. I think if he's not playing, even though you know Clay's back, and it was fun to fun to watch him torch the Lakers last night, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to the end of the season. I really just, I just want to get there. Like, I, I want to get, you know, get get there healthy. There's no more injuries. Not even to like Boogie Cousins or any of the guys. Like, you know, you see some hamstring tightness from young players that, you know, they haven't played a lot. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a fine ranking. Like, I'll be fine with that. And I, I'm not afraid. Then you go into, then you're basically avoiding. I guess you're going to or on Phoenix if you're four and five. Yeah, Phoenix is number one. It is. I mean, it is. But you have to eventually have to go through the through the best teams. Like bring it on. Like you know, get get Jamal Jamal back. Like you know, see see what happens uh, by that time. Like so, I'm I'm yeah. good with that. You know, you want to go. Yeah. You want to move forward. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just wanted to answer this. Yeah. Muddy Water asked, uh, "How is Philly's schedule?" To be completely honest, I don't give a fuck. I, yeah. I don't care because I know why he asked. It's because of the MVP race. MVP race, yeah. and I I don't care really. I I only yeah. concentrate on the Western <laughs> Conference right now because I'm more interested in the team success right now. And we'll see when we come closer to the the end of the season. Yeah, because how, again, how it's those two things are tied. Out. Like if the team success is is good, especially because then if the team gets fifth seed, I th- think like you know if it fights for the fourth, who knows what happens to Jazz. Like that, then another the narrative of of so many hurt players will come into play. Right now is like right now is like oh my god, he's so good, he's dragging that team to the to the sixth seed. But you can't, it's not that level of like you can't even. They're so d- damaged that that area of that you know whatever five you know five finger uh, arguments about what you know what can we're winning individual stats like you know narratives all all that stuff like it doesn't fit now since they're since they're six like you can't justify even though like realistically yes like he should be mvp based on the fact that if without him they'll be the worst team in the league probably one of the worst teams uh so, but it, it is what it is i mean Embiid is doing his thing like it's fine like you know it's funny for funny that people are pushing him like and we saw the all-star the billboard that they made was with like non, there's no Giannis Embiid or Jokic on it. Like yeah, basically all non-Americans were excluded, which was hilarious because like they had to put a Durant as, uh, as hurt and Booker as not even an all-star starter on there. So it was just funny. Um, 
I'm I'm fine. Like whatever, you know, I just want to get there. I want to see because that limbo. I'm enjoying the regular season, but it's still like a lot of speculating. Like in the situation when it actually starts the playoffs, when you can game plan, when you can adjust game to game, like we did last night and Friday from game to game. Like what what happens then? Like how how does the team behave when you don't have to have 25 minutes without Jokic or whatever? Um, not not obviously not 25, but like you know without the starters at some point playing all together. So we'll see. Do you want to go to the your know, take foul real quick? Yep. Um, so it's the, the worst thing uh, of the week, like something really we don't agree with, either noises, something we don't want to see. Uh, and again, it's named after the one of the worst things in basketball that kind of stops the fast breaks and, and all that. So I want to, I'm not going to go too too long on this. I'm not going to like, you know, back you know, poetically or whatever. Just Faku slander in general it just annoys me. Um, just putting the blame on the man that, that that showed nothing but professionalism like his entire time here. Not to mention Argentina and and you know and, and Spain, how he played over there. You know, as you know, played with plays hundred percent. Like he just gives it all out there, and he does, he's not demanding to play more. He's not being you know he's not pouty. He's not causing scenes. Like he's mentoring Bones off the court when he was out of rotation. So like. It's kind of it's kind of ironic because like a lot of fans are like, you know, being like, oh, teams should you know players should be this way, like they shouldn't. Basically, what I described, like professionals, they can't complain. They're playing for you know they're getting paid a lot. They should be happy. They're playing the game that they love. Uh, don't cause any scenes. Like listen, to coach, and then he does all that, and it's still not enough. Even though like he's out of his hands, like the fact that he's playing seventeen minutes straight, like it's not his thing. Um, and then the fact that like it's it's getting to a point where like it's irrational hatred, like he was he was good the last two games, like he was out of rotation for a while, then he came back, did his job, like did his job well, like he was making shots, like he was making more shots than, than some other people, um, and so so it's kind of funny. And then the one mistake he makes, then you then you know you go quickly on Twitter and and go in and be like oh number seven or like oh this guy again, it's just weird to me that that's that this is the guy you pin the blame on when when he wasn't supposed to, you know, when, when he's just thrust into that position. Like, he wasn't supposed to start a playoff series, yet somehow he managed to be a starting point guard on a team that ended Portland era with Damian Lillard. Um, and so it's, it's just annoying. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you, you know, what you have, what's your opinion on that? And then obviously then insulting his, like, basketball knowledge. Like, he, he – He's the one that won more than anyone on this team, including Jokic. Like he won things that none of these players have. I don't care if it's Euroleague. Like that's still a really good competition. He won for his national team. Like he knows what it takes to be in that position to win, and and what all little things that that you know that that it requires for him to win. And not to mention his basketball intelligence is like probably second to Jokic. Like that's no question. <laughs> In this team, and might be even like in some you know situations based on experience, even higher, higher than Jokic. The fact that he's he is athletically deficient, so he's not one of the best players in the world. But just like his approach, his like you know longevity and, and like professionalism too is like also you know body maintenance. Like he's played three years in a row without any breaks. Like it just it just sucks that people you know still are hating on him without any like real causes. Like again. You know, it's still on Malone's on Malone's shoulders to play him or not play him. Like, 
you know, bitch about that, fine. But like, you know, you can't blame a guy for being for giving you hundred percent out there. Yes, I I was actually prepared a, a long tirade about how great of basketball player Faku Capazzo is, but I'm going to save it for some other time because uh, I, I'm afraid uh, I'm afraid people will will uh, uh, be accusing me of of uh, having an idol in our team. But I really do admire him. Just one thing I want to say tonight is today is that uh, uh, I think that uh, Will Barton is breathing easier in the states this year because all the hate is is yeah. pointed toward <laughs> Campazzo uh, this season. Uh, interesting to 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 see something in Serbia, for instance. Everybody is still talking about Will Barton. Nobody is mentioning yeah. Campazzo at all because everybody in Serbia knows how Campazzo. Uh, how how great of a player! Well, also, yeah, you is. can't blame him and for some of the stuff that he does. Like it's yeah, he's actually course. doing him well. Like he's positioning well. Like he can. That's right. He's taking open shots when they're giving it to him. Like he's all the basketball decisions that he makes. Like it's not he's not trying to pass between someone's legs when the game is breaking. Up, right. You know when a game is breaking. So like he knows situational basketball as well. It just again it's seventeen minutes on a guy that was out of the rotation and you thrust him into a situation where a shooter would have been better a pure shooter that their respect would have been better. So it just sucks that, like, again, it, it, and then we lose that game, even though we lost to the Pelicans when he wasn't playing, and you're still, like, it's still Faku's fault, like, yeah. as soon as he got back. So it, it sucks. Just, just just one thing. Faku used to play 25 minutes per game in Real Madrid, and now we yep. ask him to play 17 consecutive minutes in the NBA. It's just insanity. Yeah. Be better, Michael Malone. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, let, let's let's finish up with uh, it was a quick uh, answer to a question in the uh, in the post game from a Serbian reporter. Uh, Thank you. He yeah, just you go, you go, you. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Jokic actually only only had two questions in Serbian uh, this week versus the Raptors last night. Uh, he was just asked how hard it is to play on second night of the game of the back to back with travel and Nikola confirmed that yeah, in it is fact, hard. It yeah. is hard. <laughs> but there was yeah, an awesome moment in the post-game presser versus the Nets. While yeah. answering a question in English, Nikola started with a quote and then just gave up on it. But uh, our Serbian journalist, Alexander Zigic, insisted and, and asked Nikola, congrats on a great game, 13 triple-double, double, yada, yada, yada. But you just mentioned a Serbian singer who said that you have your dreams, but when you get old enough to fulfill them, those dreams get old too. Who did you refer to? And Nikola said, George Balashevich, it is not important. He was shy about it. And the actual quote from this song sounds like, your dreams become the most valuable when both of you and your dreams get old. And it is a quote from the song called Devedesete. And that brings us to our Serbian fact of the week. George Balashevich is Nikola's favorite singer, songwriter, and also at least what will we know? I, I mean, we assume so. Like he, he's did he say it? That it well, does he the, say that? It's, he, I mean, it he, was a, yeah. His his song was the first song at Nikola's wedding. That's so fair. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, we can assume. I'm yeah, guessing yeah. he he likes him, and if he quotes him on the post-game presser, that's that's yeah, a yeah. meaningful thing. So. Georgi Balashevich is our most famous, uh, as in the words of our most famous rock and roll analyst, Pe- Petsa Popovic, 
a Serbian Bob Dylan. When you hear that comp, it is needless to say how talented he was and how great his uh, career that lasted for 44 years was. He was born in 1953 in Novi Sad, and that's the biggest city close to Sombor. Many will tell you Novi Sad is a city of George Balashevic. He recorded 14 studio albums, but also appeared in several TV shows as an actor. He was uh, he has written uh, several novels and also made a movie based on his songs. There we can see him with his wife, Olivera. They starred together in a TV show back in the 80s. Uh, uh, it, was, he, it was his he, birthday recently, right? That's why we're doing this too. No, I, I will explain yeah. later. So he won a number of awards for both his songs and novels. The concerts were a mix of great poetic songs and stand-up comedy. And that's yeah. why the tickets were for his performances were always hard to get. He yeah. was one of the loudest voices against the war and terror that happened in former Yugoslavia. And that is why he was banned for performing on the national TV for a decade. His song, Ringishpil, which means Carousel, was the first dance song at Nicola's wedding a year and a half ago. Thanks to Mislav's idea and Mr. Kyle Speller, the voice of Denver Nuggets, who was a guest of yep. Nuggets Serbia, that Carousel song was already played at the ball arena during practice. Yep. In six days, it will be a year since Georgi Balashevic passed away at the age of 67 after battling with coronavirus. And that was a very, very sad day throughout the former Yugoslavia. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, I mean, it's, he's one of my favorites too. And we, also he, uh, he did, right. He had a lot of, was it Valentine's day concerts. Was that him? As uh, well? he, he usually done the new, the new year's new, year, new year's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well he's, yeah, he's one of my favorites too. I have like a, basically a playlist I do. Um, I, as one I have for a list of his songs that I do before I sleep, I put them on and put a sleep timer on, on the phone for turning off the music and that I fall asleep with him and just listen to him like very, you know, very often. Like my mom would sing uh ringish bill to me. Like when I was younger, like I still remember that. And like, uh, you know, some, you know, some other, uh, other of his songs. Um, so it, it, you know, it sucks that we, you know, we lost that. And it was really cool. Like Mislov did that. Because of the the wedding song, like when Kyle Speller was on, he gave him a list and then he sent him a link. And eventually, we saw when Katie Lindsay posted like the list of the songs that were on. Like it was all the songs that uh, the Mislo gave uh, gave Kyle Speller, and then and another song I think that Luca played in Dallas. So they kind of picked up. Uh, so was, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a cool serving fact. And you know, hopefully you check it out. We'll, well, we might put the uh, you know like a link to his channel or something on YouTube for for uh for americans to check out like what kind of is like you know obviously on spotify he's on there too and yeah. so it's pretty pretty cool that's right yeah so are we, we we're good yeah well thanks everyone for watching um and there's a question of if uh, if luca is popular in serbia yes yes he is uh luca Doncic. so uh it's quickly i mean there's nothing there's no like wisdom to it he's really popular <laughs> even though he's slovenian doesn't matter um so yeah thanks everyone for watching on you know DMVR on YouTube, DMVR Nuggets podcast feed. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, enjoy basketball, and you know it's well. I guess it's All Star Week next week, so we'll see if we're if we're skipping that that weekend or not. But anyway, uh, yeah, thanks everyone, and we can check us out, Miro. Have a great day. Enjoy the Super Bowl if you're watching it for some yep. reason.
Yeah, so, yeah. 